Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We live in an interesting nexus today where so much of our economy is focused on building processes and systems that enable us to exist in the virtual world at the same time that we continue to build and develop the physical world around us. Maybe one day one of these worlds will overtake the other. For now, we pass between them multiple times every day, which creates unlimited opportunities for creative entrepreneurs. With me today to discuss this is Dustin Perrier, founder and CEO of Giant Rocketship, a Baton Rouge-based tech company that has developed an AI-powered project manager that assigns and monitors tasks for IT companies and then can reassign them if a team member faces challenges or is unavailable. Dustin founded Giant Rocketship in 2022 as an outgrowth of Perrier IT, which provides a range of IT services for small and medium-sized businesses. Dustin still owns both companies, but spends most of his time these days focused on giant rocket ship. He also has developed a niche as a speaker in IT circles, where he shares his insights on technology, cybersecurity, and AI. Dustin, it's a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for being here today on Out to Lunch. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. With me and Dustin at the table is Nick Miller, founder and CEO of Build Commercial Construction, a full-service commercial construction company that works in the multifamily, retail, healthcare, and industrial spaces, and also does storm and wetlands remediation, which is a growing segment in climate-challenged South Louisiana. Nick graduated from LSU's Burt Turner School of Construction Management and got his start with Manhattan Construction, where he was on the project management team overseeing construction of LaVerge Casino. He later spent several years with a large general contractor until taking the brave step in 2020 of branching out on his own to form BUILD, which specializes in the design assist delivery method of construction. Recently, the firm expanded its footprint to two nearby states. Nick, it's a great story. Thank you so much for being here with me today on Out to Lunch. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, Dustin, I want to start with you. We talked many times over the years about per-year IT. What made you want to form a new company and, say, not a new division of per-year? How did, how did this AI-powered rocket ship, which has a great name, by the way, come to be? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was looking for a much, uh, much more memorable, easy to spell name, okay. and it worked out perfectly. So while I owned Prayer IT, what I noticed was it was difficult to really handle all of the different tasks in the organization. And even if you look at Nick's building company, he's going to have a project manager or two overseeing the projects, and then he's going to have a foreman, I think, on the site. And then those people are constantly having to call audibles for who should be working what 
right? And so every time he scales his company, he has to do what? He has to hire more administrative staff to handle the people actually executing the task. And so what I noticed for us was, um, as we built out more and more automation, it made sense to commercialize that as a product so that other companies could also reduce the admin burden while they scale their companies um, and work projects, tasks, and things like that. Okay, and so then Rocket, giant rocket ship, would you work with a company like Build Commercial Construction? Or well, is it more like an IT company? That's right? a great question, and I've been asked that a lot. So one of the lessons learned I had with Prayer IT was Prayer IT, while a great IT company, didn't have a very specific industry niche or focus. Mm -hmm. And so if you sell to everybody, you're local. If you niche down, you go global. And so what I decided with Giant Rocket Ship was I was going to take those lessons learned and really niche down and get hyper-focused, and that way I could scale the company better and faster. Interesting. And so hyper-focused on the IT industry, not, for instance, commercial construction or healthcare. That's correct. Okay, very good. Well, Nick, tell us about Build Commercial Construction. It is hugely brave to go out on your own, especially in June of 2020 when COVID was raging and most of us were still at home. Um, what was the catalyst for the launch of your company? Sure. So um, I come from a family of serial entrepreneurs. Uh, most folks in my family own a business of some sort. It's always been kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, and the, the genesis of it was, was basically being asked enough times to finally push me over the starting blocks. You know, I had a lot of clients. I had a lot of trades partners. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of family asking me, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this on your own? and uh, finally decided to take the leap. And I had one final person ask me and came home and told my wife, I was like, I think this is what I want to do. And she said, okay, let's do it. That's so, fantastic. Sure. Sounds sounds easy enough when you describe it that way. It I guess in easy. real life it was not. No, <laughs> no, new obstacles every day. Okay, okay. And um, we'll talk about what some of those obstacles were. Dustin, tell me what exactly, and you touched on this, but what does an AI-powered project manager do? Kind of. Walk us through the steps. If you're a lay person and you don't know anything about task management or you really don't know anything about how any of this works. So just kind of keeping it in layperson's terms, let's go back to construction with everybody understands how that functionally works. Doesn't mean they can do it, <laughs> but they understand how it functionally works. Okay. So you're building a house, you design the plans for it. Right now, imagine you also tell the person that made the plans that they are responsible for making all the phone calls, arranging all of the subcontractors, managing where every plank of wood goes, where every screw goes. That's what we do to project managers every day. We give them all the details when they're the ones that really are architecting the project. So what Giant Rocket Ship does is it's the one that decides who's nailing the boards into the wall. Why are they nailing the board into the wall? If they can't do it properly, it reassigns it to somebody that's better at that job. So it's taken over all of the micromanagement that a project manager would do, and it elevates the project manager to where they're better, and they're able to focus on the architecture side of what they're trying to implement, and not the micromanagement and the details of it. So basically replacing a project manager with an AI tool, basically. We like to say a co-pilot for project management. That sounds better. Certainly. Yes. Okay, very good. And then did you design this rocket ship tool or was this something that you bought? So that I own the IP to it. So um, I came out of the dot-com era, if any of your listeners remember that. Um, I was a developer coming out of LSU. 
And then I, for several years, I was a developer and a, a cybersecurity specialist for state agencies and universities. And then I started my IT company, um, but I never stopped being a developer. And so I was always writing automation to reduce the admin burden of running the company. And this is the thing that got the m most excitement out of the community in IT, and that's why we commercialized it. But um, absolutely, I wrote the core of the product, and I have the best understanding of how it works and where we're going with it. So it seems like you could maybe sell that to other, other companies that. Absolutely, we have customers, um, and we're growing all the time, and so we're already going to trade shows, uh, selling the product to others, and who knows what the future holds. But right now, I'm just looking to grow the business and 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 bring on more customers and see where we can go with it. Excellent. Well, Nick. Your firm specializes in design assist delivery method of construction. Is that, is that what it sounds like, sort of a, a collaborative method? Or Correct. what exactly does that mean? Is that just marketing Correct. jargon or really sure. something special? Sure, so the traditional method that everyone's familiar with is design, bid, build. A design team takes the owner's, the owner's desires, puts it on paper, hands it to contractor, contractor provides you a price. The problems with that are, number one, time lost. Number two, what if it comes in over budget? Do we pay the designer to design it again? There's this awkward limbo that takes place. There's renegotiations that take place. The design assist delivery method engages us as the contractor much earlier in the process so we can price at separate intervals in, within the design and steer the design into the budget, right? So we know the budget on day one. We take the drawings, whatever level they are, a lot of times, the, the owner comes to us first and says, this is what I want to do, and we develop a napkin sketch and say, this is what we're going to base it off of. So we take that and do 30, 60, 90% intervals, tell them what the pricing is at each one of those intervals, and what it allows us to do is, uh, number one, steer the budget. Number two, it allows us to start the project sooner. And then we also don't have to mess with potential redesign or lost time on the back end of design. And when we talk about design in this context, does that mean that y'all actually employ architects and engineers, or is it more of a, a rough sketch on the napkin kind of design? It's a rough sketch on a napkin. We are not designers, we are not architects, we are not engineers. We will make recommendations to the owner on a handful of designers, whether they need an architect or an engineer. We'll make a recommendation as far as, hey, these are the folks we believe would be a good fit for this type of project, and we let the owners make those decisions. Okay. I mean, is it is it feasible to think in the future that maybe you would hire those people and be more comprehensive sort of like CSRS started out as you right. know many years ago or whatever I you know there's no part of uh, of our organization that says that design is our forte we can give input but for right now we're gonna we're gonna stick to what we're good at okay. which is building very good well speaking about building Dustin um, you said that you had developed you know the automation for this tool right what is the difference between automation and AI? Or is maybe using AI sort of the same thing? You know, I mean, right. Ray, where's that line? Right, so AI really is a, is a kind of a Smurf word, if my remembers <laughs> Smurf. And it can apply in so many situations. There's different types of AI. And for us, we tend to focus on AI that categorizes and routes information. Um, most people are going to be familiar with ChatGPT, which is what we call a generative AI, it speaks back to you. Um, that's an important element, but it's actually a minority of the type of AI out there. It's just the one that we can engage with, so it has the best marketing. And it's the one that scares people the most, probably because it talks back, maybe? Well, it talks back, <laughs> and, and I, I did just read that, that they now have a feature where you can actually hook it up for audio 
and it oh. can literally speak back to you. So th- I think that would be a little creepy. Right. Well, it's it's coming, but um, imagine but that alarm clock from ChatGPT. Hi, Dustin. Seriously, it's time to wake up. But isn't I mean, and we're getting a little far afield here, but I do think this is interesting. I mean, isn't then like Siri or Alexa sort of AI? I mean, they talk back and That's they right. do mark stuff that we tell them to they do. They do. And, and, and the field of AI actually started in the 1960s. Right. It's been around a while. So it's been around for a long time. And even back then, they had um, some models in the 70s that you could type in your conversation and it would give you responses that were based on what you were saying to it. Now, it was much more limited, but it could still speak to you in a way that you'd be able to understand it even 50 years ago. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Dustin Perrier of Giant Rocket Ship and Nick Miller of Build Commercial Construction. We'll continue our conversation when we come right back from this short break. Support for Out to Lunch Baton Rouge comes from Adeta Corporate Staffing, Basics Swim and Gym, and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Camellia Productions Marketing Consulting, Corette Leadership Lab, Communication and Conflict Resolution, Feigley Communications, Full Service Marketing, Gamble PR, HR NOLA, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Lolo's Youth Yoga and Art Studio, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment Since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, Available in Select Grocery Stores, New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th, Noki, New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute, Rev Realtors, The Idea Village, The Scout Guide Baton Rouge, and The Scout Guide New Orleans. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Dustin Perrier of Giant Rocket Ship and Nick Miller of Build Commercial Construction. Nick, the field of commercial construction in Baton Rouge is, is so competitive, and there are some big names that have been around here a long time. Sure. Um, how do you go up against them? Is it, is it that they're doing the big hospitals and you're doing maybe a smaller medical office building and you hope to maybe one day scale up to that? Sure. So we provide a lot more of a personal touch is, is you know, the easy answer. We, our entire organization is built with individuals that came from the large commercial world, which is where I'm from, right? So we've, we've worked on the 300 plus million dollar projects. We know how to do those things. We know the process it takes to build those large projects. And we are simply a more simplified version of that and a smaller, more intimate version of that. It's a lot easier for an owner to pick up the phone and get to the next level of management or me on a project. And for us, that's been a tremendous selling point. Uh, folks really like the personal touch, the fact that I physically go to our job sites, I physically walk the job sites, and they like having that high level of engagement with our leadership team and myself. Yeah. So we're uh, we're certainly punching above our weight right now, I would say. We're, we're competing with a lot of large names that have been around for a long time that are very quality contractors, and um, we're starting to kind of chip away at that. That's great. Are sure. they threatened by you? Do you get a, is everybody really nice, like, oh, a nice young guy it's, on the block? Or it's it friendly. Bit- I'm friendly with most of them. <laughs> I hope they see us coming, though. <laughs> Good. What, what, is the, what is the market like um, for y'all's respective businesses? I mean, is there a lot of work out there right now, given especially, Nick, you know, the high interest rates that have made it hard to, to borrow money to build stuff? Uh, sure. And, you know, are new people coming into the market or building new little office buildings and little office clinics or whatever? Sure. So, obviously, the last two or three years have been 
pretty wild as far as my industry is concerned. There was work, the phone was ringing nonstop. You know, during the pandemic, people were building nonstop. Interest rates were low. It was easy to build. People could come up with money, expand their brand, open a location, do a build out. All these things were very easily attainable with low interest rates. We obviously don't have that anymore. So we're seeing a lot less of retail build outs happening right now. We're seeing a lot less of a certain business owner who wants to quit renting and build themselves a location. We're seeing a lot less of those projects. What we're seeing consistently is there's still a ton of disaster work that's out there that maybe the disaster money took a long time to come through and now it's just now letting. So we're seeing a ton of that still in the market and a ton of stuff that's coming on the on the state level in the public market. There's a ton of stuff in the public market, even grant programs that are funding medical facilities and things like that. So we are we are into a ton of medical work right now. Nice. Uh, that money continues to flow uh, and that's kind of where we're seeing the surge in the industry. But it's definitely scaled back on the private side for business owners looking to expand. So this would be like, um, you know, ARPA money or IILJ money or IDA, IDA disco, uh, yeah. disaster relief money, things Correct. like that. Correct. Disaster relief money, USDA grant money, stuff like that is what we're seeing a lot of. Very nice. And Dustin, what is the market like in your world for these AI-powered tools for project management tools? I'm sure there are more IT firms around probably than ever. Or maybe not, but... There's actually more. So it's it's actually a growing industry. Mm -hmm. I, I read a stat that the IT managed service industry in 2020 was $56 billion. It's currently 268 And then in 2034, I think it's supposed to be $863 billion. Wow. So that the market actually for... That we're attacking is actually getting larger. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of um, who has the ability to buy or purchase correct, currently then that actually works out well for us. So it's a very tight labor market. And so when you introduce automation that can reduce your need to hire, that actually is helpful in a tight labor market. And so for us, fortunately, um, at a macro level, it's a great time for us to introduce that product. Good deal. How big are y'all now? Is Giant Rocket Ship just you, or is it you and some of your folks that you know came over from per year IT? or? How does it work? Great question. So I work very hard not to um, take resources out of Prairie IT because we still have contracts and customers. I'm just not engaged as much in that company. Um, but it still has its own staff, and so I, I, I let it run itself with the service manager. For Giant Rocketship, it did start off as me. And then I went down the normal path of a SaaS company, an online software platform. And so I've hired customer success managers, additional developers, and then my next step would be bringing in sales and marketing that's where a lot of my attention is right now, and it's a lot of work. So um, I'll be looking for that as my next step. Okay. Nick, um, speaking of, of size and growth, y'all recently expanded into parts of Texas and Oklahoma even. Is this just following the money and the jobs, basically? We are actually following existing contacts. Nice. Uh, we've been asked for a while now to take a step into the Dallas market. Um, by designers as well as some developers. Uh, we don't necessarily, or at least historically, didn't want to jump out there and try and develop new relationships with a team that we did not have yet. We, there were too many variables. Sure. We've now eliminated a lot of those variables. We have some team members that are going to Dallas for us. We are going to dip into that market. We also have uh, some relationships in Oklahoma 
that we are going to take advantage of. They've asked us to come as well uh, on the owner's representation side, and uh, they're folks that I worked with previously when I lived in Oklahoma. So we have previously previous relationships with owners there. We have previous relationships with trade partners there, and we also have previous relationships in North Louisiana where we're starting to pick up some work and some steam as well. And a lot of your industry, especially obviously where the public money comes in, is, is bid work. And right. that's a whole, I mean, that's where like the personal contacts matter, but they kind of don't because you got to right. put the right kind of bid together and it's so competitive. And, and then if you can kind of help write the bid specs, sometimes that works in your favor, but that's kind of hard to get to that level. Absolutely. I mean, how do you do that in Louisiana where it's a whole different, right? Sure. And in another state where you don't maybe have as much familiarity. Absolutely. So we are, uh, we're definitely going to test that in Dallas. However, our Dallas operation is going to be strictly negotiated. Um, our Oklahoma operation is strictly invited bid, so we're not touching public market. The only area that we touch public market on is in North Louisiana. And where we've found success is just in strategic relationships and developing a strategy prior to going into the bid. If we're bidding a public job, we figure out you know, what scopes are going to win this job for us, and we develop an alliance with certain trade partners to try and chase that down and win it. So and that's certain trade partners means what kind of companies? Meaning site work contractors, framers, okay. who whatever whatever is heavy on that particular project, or if we're chasing and we're going to be bidding against certain contractors that we know are really good at one thing, we'll try and mitigate the effect of their pricing difference by being really good at one thing and try and maximize what we know that we're really good at, mm -hmm. right? So we, we just try and level the playing field there to try and get our best competitive advantage if we are bidding a public job. That's great. Dustin, you mentioned that cybersecurity is one of the areas that you like to speak on and write on and have some expertise in. I would imagine a lot of expertise given your, your years with, with per year IT. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this is another thing that's really scary, and maybe even scarier than AI, right? Or how vulnerable we are. What kind of, are companies, and I'm thinking especially about the local companies and the smaller businesses that you deal with, are they prepared? Do people understand the nature of the risks, and, and do y'all sell services and products to help them you know, yeah, so, build the kind of firewalls they need today? Yep, so, so shifting gears from trying to rock ship to the IT company per year IT, absolutely an important part of what we do is educating staff. And then obviously we supply software that does end user training for security. And then we deployed um, you know, defensive software around their networks. Bigger picture, however, your, your question was, are people really aware of the risk? And the answer is no, not even close. So it, it's been a very long journey with us and even our customers. And I'll tell you at this point, everybody's on board and they get it. But I would tell people all the time, and we get random phone calls from companies that have been hacked. Yeah. If you are in a room with 10 companies, and they're private, and they're not required regulatorily to um, let people know when they've had a hack, if you're in a room, three to four of the 10 companies have been hacked within the past year, at least, minimum. Wow. It's super frequent. Wow. But people, for companies that don't have to disclose it, they're not going to tell you that it happened. And so they're going to pay the ransomware or whatever they need to do to get out of that situation. So actually, the problem is a lot worse than people understand. And it's also why everybody's insurance rates are going up for cybersecurity. Insurance companies are starting to have to pay out these ransoms. And wow. we know how insurance works. They're not going to do it. And so they're really bringing down um, the hammer on cybersecurity and compliance. And it's costing business a lot of money. 
And so, and I hate to say it, it's kind of helped our conversations with new customers that you're going to have to pay for the solution for cybersecurity, or you're going to have to pay for higher insurance rates. But you're going to have to choose which which one you're going to pay. Is there a special insurance policy or rider for cybersecurity, or is it just yes, your it's, general it's, liability? It's, it's cybersecurity insurance. Okay. It's specifically named that. And it's becoming more and more important. If you get hacked and you lose all of your accounting data for the past five years, you can't collect, right? You can't collect your receivables. There's no difference to you as a company between that or losing your building and needing a commercial builder like Nick's company to come in and, and, and fix that, right? Mm -hmm. And so from an insurance company's perspective, they're gonna, it's gonna cost them the same, right? And so this is one of those situations where insurance is actually gonna drive and it's now driving the change of increasing cybersecurity in commercial organizations. And like, is this the kind of thing that that you would typically be have on your radar when there are so many other things that a commercial construction company has to have on its radar. We are Nick? we are hypersensitive to it. It's uh, it's always on the forefront. We're trying to train on it pretty consistently, especially with, you know, we've we've grown so rapidly and added team members so rapidly. And when you add a team member, you don't necessarily know how tech savvy they are and what they might fall for. So we're constantly having to train and retrain on that topic to make sure that we're, you know, at least at least looking at that and trying to avoid it, right? Uh, give me, right before we wrap up, because we're running out of time, real quick, sort of what's on your horizon in the very near term? Um, oh, for me, yeah, um, sure. more That's travel, true. talking about giant <laughs> rocket ship, meeting new customers. We have customers in four countries now, so we're expanding. And again, when you niche down, you sell global. And so a lot of that is consuming my time, but I find it energizing and I'm enjoying it. And so going to keep working on how we can automate that service coordinator role. Excellent. And Nick? Mine would be more travel as well. We, we have three active projects in North Louisiana, which for us, the, the geographic region of North Louisiana, from a logistics standpoint, is Alexandria, north of Alexandria. So we have three active jobs there that are going to take a lot more road time for us to you know, maintain our processes and maintain our quality. Uh, and then once we shift into full-scale Dallas and full-scale Oklahoma that will also require you know triple the effort on travel so travel is in my near future fantastic so well Nick and I are gonna be travel buddies I <laughs> there guess. you go that's right that's right can we share miles <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Nick Miller and Dustin Perrier it's so great to meet two Baton Rouge entrepreneurs who are building out our physical world and our virtual world bringing new products and services to the local market. We're fortunate to have you both in the community. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your stories and insights with me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks for the invitation. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Dustin Perrier, founder and CEO of Giant Rocket Ship, and Nick Miller, founder and CEO of Build Commercial Construction. We edited this show to fit into our time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Dustin and Nick and their companies on the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Today's photos were taken by Brian Pavlich. You can find more Brian's photos at pavlichphotography.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. 
The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Passion Lily, Fair Trade Fashion, 831 Charter Street, or PassionLily.com. And by Mind Coach, professional coaching for the professional brain. More information at mind-coach.com. And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System, inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com. 